Yeah, so good to see you. Uh, it's definitely fall, um, but we have heat this week. Heat is back. Yes. Um, so if you're wondering what those tubes are, it's not like asbestos tubes or anything. That's heat coming into the building from outside. Um, so um, it would be one of the benefits. Um, it is one of the benefits of, of this space. But then the new one we're going, there is also heat, and I'm excited about that. Um, you guys, if you're new to Whitewater, we want you to know this is a place you can belong before you believe. That means you don't have to believe uh, what I do or some of the people here at the church believe to belong, to explore faith, to build relationships. I just want to encourage you to do that. And you're coming in at such an exciting time in the life of our church. Um, we're, we're, we're moving to a new building. It's, we're not going to own it. We're going to be renting this from a, a fantastic organization called Step by Step that are doing amazing things in the communities, helping moms and families, and really a, a restorative um, organization. And, um, and it, it's just incredible what God's doing. And uh, I just want to invite you to be part of it, invite you to get to know the people here at Whitewater. And we're all about, we're really about people. We're not about the building. I'll mention this a little bit later today, but it's, it's never been about the building. We started off in a, in a home, just a little home. That's how our church started, and with a few people, a few families, and then we went to an elementary school because we grew out of the home, and then we outgrew the elementary school that we were in, and then we were in PHS. I don't know if we outgrew PHS, but we moved here because PHS had like a seating capacity of like 600 people, 700 people. But when we moved here, it just this was, the, this was the perfect fit for us. And we're starting to outgrow this place with our kids and with the parking lot and with, our, uh, with, with who we have. But it's always been about the people here. And I just want to invite you um, wherever you're at in your spiritual journey. Um, we have starting point at my house today. Personal invite to you is to come if you're new or maybe you've, you're, you've been coming to Whitewater for a long time, but there's a season you're in now where you can engage in faith and take the next step. Come on out to our house. We'd love to get to hear your story. Um, I'm going to pray and we will get started. Heavenly Father, we love you. We're so grateful for you. Would you just speak to us um, today? Uh, give us a word for our heart, our hearts individually that we walk out of here, Lord. We walk, we walk with you and we walk with your vision for us out of this place. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, we like to be countercultural here. You might have noticed that last week. Um, counterculture means we don't want to be like you know, the culture. We, wanna, we don't want to just go with the current. We want to be able to swim against it when it's right. And there's all this health food stuff these days and eating healthy and nutritious. And we are countercultural around here, baby. We had candy like crazy last week. And if you want, we still have some more candy. So if you want to be countercultural and eat M&Ms with me, you can do that here. Um, Last week, one of the things we talked about was the church, one of the biggest shifts um, that, that can catalyze movement in the church is shifting our mindset from I'm stuck in this world to I'm sent into this world. And it might seem subtle, but it changes everything. Uh, God's people, Israel, at one point were uh, in exile. There was a portion, the leaders, the, 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 the um, political leaders, religious leaders, their families were relocated to Babylon. They were exiled to Babylon. 
and uh, they found themselves in a country they didn't want to be in, uh, that worship gods that they didn't want to worship, um, in a situation that they never thought would happen. And they felt stuck in Babylon. God, why have you, given, why have you separated us from our people? Why have you allowed the, this people to conquer us and to desecrate our, our temple? How, why, why would you allow us to be in a place where they're worshiping other gods that are vile to us? Uh, they felt stuck. Um, it probably said something like that. Oh, oh, and by the way, this is a couple that just got engaged here. That's what, we, that's what that was. Let's give my hand. Happy engagement. They love having attention. This is great. Uh, actually, they're terrified of attention, but I uh, wanted to celebrate that. Well, we had the opportunity. That's great. Um, and it happened recently. Uh, so, so uh, I was like, I hope it hadn't changed since the last <laughs> <the online> conversation. <laughs> so, Israel felt stuck in Babylon, and uh, oh, I was hoping that there'd be more phone right there. But uh, Babylon, um, as they were stuck there, uh, there was a prophet who wrote these words, and they are so powerful. Um, these are the words of the prophet Jeremiah to the people who felt stuck in Babylon. He's, he said this, seek the prosperity, seek the peace, the shalom, the wholeness of the city to which I have carried you, to which I have sent you. And God is saying to, was saying to Israel, you are not stuck in Babylon. I have sent you to transform Babylon. And their purpose changed. Friends, we are the church that gathers and then is scattered into the world. And our jobs Monday through Saturday, your callings, your purpose, your skills, your life are just as important, it's just as sacred during the week from Monday to Saturday as it is today. Your job is no, uh, no less than my job as a pastor. My job is no more important than anybody else's job. We all have work to do, transformative work. And it's when we realize we are not stuck, but we are sent. Amen? So today I want to talk to you guys about calling. Because if we're sent, well, what are we sent to do? What does that look like? Let me read you a story. Um, this is about a friend, my friend uh, Martha, uh, who's a wonderful woman who lives in Sierra Leone. Most of the world has never heard about her. But I just want to give you a glimpse of her story. Martha hated the church. She used to tell her brother, why do you go to church? Why do you serve at the church? Has it ever fed you? Has it ever protected you? No. What has the church ever done for you? And she lived, Martha lived through the um, Civil War, 11 to 12 years of Civil War, saw horrible atrocities, went through the Ebola crisis, and she has seen uh, the horrors that can happen in the world. And this was her view. She hated the church. What's it done? What's it given us? And then a church protected and hid her when she was needing help. And in that process, she came to know God and God saved her. Before she knew God, she was helping people. Before she knew God, she was serving her village and other villages because this was a passion she had. She cared about people who had great need. Before she knew and loved God, she was already serving and loving people. And then when her personal calling met God's call in her life, it was like a match, lighting, gasoline, combustion, boom. 
She started serving the farthest and the least reached people groups with more fervor and more passion. She's, she's still doing that now, but to even greater effect. She gives away everything she gift, uh, she, she's given. Like You can't give her things that she doesn't find a way to give away to somebody else. Uh, people have given her cars, and the next thing you know that she's given it away to some uh, person, some program, some nonprofit that has a, a great use and need for it. During and after the war in Sierra Leone, she was doing peace and reconciliation with, uh, within villages across Sierra Leone, and the UN heard about it. And so they gave her a certificate for peace and reconciliation to make sure that she was legit. She was doing healthcare already in Sierra Leone, and the UN found out about it, and they gave her a certificate also to make sure that she was legit. She was teaching and educating the illiterate, and the UN heard about it, and they gave her a certificate uh, to continue doing something that she was already doing. And many people in our world have certificates, but they have not found their calling in life. Many people are looking for and working hard for a certificate or money when they need to be looking for their calling. Martha knows what she was born to do, who she was born to be. She knows her calling. And God was using her calling before she knew the voice that called her. It was later in life that she recognized that voice that had put in her her calling. Um, We don't need more people with certificates. We need more people with calling and then certificates. Training's not a bad thing, but it's not a supplement for a deep sense of passion and calling. These type of people, they know deep in their bones what they're called to do and to be. they know what they're born for. They, they, they're passionate about it. They're energized by it. Like it energizes them. Uh, they, they find great meaning in it. When it gets difficult, they still have energy for it. When they, when they go through obstacles, that still has great meaning and joy for them. Um, they won't let barriers stand in their way. Her certificate did not create her calling. It confirmed it. The UN didn't create Martha's calling. They confirmed it. And I would say to you today, what is your calling? What were you born to do? What were you born for? What gives you deepest passion, deepest energy in your life? What does God want to use? What did God place in you before you were born that he wants to use for his glory, his goodness? Um, I want to just look at some theological realities that I think will really help us, some biblical truths, and then I want to get really practical today. Um, but my, our, our heart at Whitewater is we want to see people become who they were born to be. What would a church look like unleashed into the world, passionate about their callings, knowing what God had created them for? I just think, well, I think it would change the world around us. Are you with me? All right. So let's jump into some of this. Oh, and by the way, Martha didn't need permission to live out her calling to serve and love the least. You do not have to sit around waiting for permission to live into your calling to serve and love the people God has called you to love. You have that authority. It's been given to you. Let's see why. 
humans have the spark of the divine in them. God's imprint, or as the Bible says, God's image is in them. Genesis 1.27 says this, God created human beings in his own image. God created human beings. We aren't the source of our own life. Like you and I didn't create, create ourselves. We didn't, we didn't imagine what we were gonna be and then imagine ourselves into an existence. God created us. He is the source, the creator of all life and we are made in his image. Your ability to choose and have free will, your ability to love, your ability to um, have hope and envision a future, your ability to make uh, decisions and, and live with the consequences, your ability uh, to have great imagination, all these things and more are aspects of the image of God in us. But we, we live in a world that's been broken and distorted. God blessed the world and then it was broken. A lot of times Christians will live with the story reversed. It's like everything's broken, everything's terrible, nothing's good, so why try? Or if we try, Lord, just rescue me from this world. Just save me from it. And they want to escape the world because they're stuck there. But we learned last week, if you remember, that, that there are wheat that God has planted in the world. There is original blessing, and then weeds have come afterward. There is evil, there's distortion, yes, but don't let the weeds blind you from the wheat. Don't let the brokenness blind you from the blessing. In your life, you yourself your life and the lives of others. It's so easy to see what's wrong with other people, so easy to see the weeds and to feel like it's taking over and there's no hope and what's, what, what are we gonna do and this world's going to hell in a handbasket and, and God, would you save me, right? And we talked about that last week where we, some of us, like we're on, this, on the roof of our house of our life and we're like, the flood's here, it's flooding, Lord, save me, send in the chopper and God kind of leans in, he throws us some scuba gear and he says, oh, get swimming and get saving. I have sent you into this world. It changes everything. But we have to learn to be able to see the original blessing, the image of God in people, in ourselves. So many people struggle with harsh standards for themselves that they never match, that they never can be good enough for. And then those get put onto kids and family members and friends. And, and it's really easy to begin dragging each other down when we were designed to lift each other up. We have the image of God in us. And so I, just to prove that to you to, in, a, in a moment, this might seem silly, so if you'd humor your pastor, do this for a few moments. If you get nothing out of this, then you can forget it. Uh, just you know, put it in the, in the trash bin of your, of your brain and, and move on. But if you'd humor me for a second, we did this with our leadership team and our staff we started talking about what are our strengths? What are like the unique aspects of each person that has bits of the image of God that God has given them and uniquely strengthened them for? And so as a staff and a leadership community, we, we started uh, processing this together to be a church that we wanna build on the strengths and the callings of every individual. And so what I'd like you to do is just stand if this might fit you, okay? So here we go. Uh, would you stand if you have to talk with people when you're in an elevator. You like have to talk with people. Go ahead and stand if that's you. A friends, spouses of these people, is this true? Yes, I love these people. I am you, I love talking with people too, most of the time. Yes, give them a hand, that is awesome. We got the talkers. Would you stand if it's socially awkward for you if someone speaks to you in an elevator and wants to talk to you in an elevator? Would you stand if you would prefer not to talk while you're in an elevator? Because you need to think and people need their space. You got, okay, awesome, give these people a hand. They're like they're the thinkers. 
And make sure that you don't talk to them because you'll be, no, give them a hug, give them some love. They still need some love today, a big, like, long hug. Um, (laughs) If you have to push, okay, if you're in an elevator and you have to push buttons to make it go faster, would you please stand? (laughs) Yes. You are the people who bring the gift of impatience to every meeting. You know that things need to happen. You go ahead and grab a seat. Give them a hand. Thank you, guys. See, sometimes we'll think that these things are just weaknesses. Or maybe, you know, you have family members that are like, these are all your weaknesses. But there's oftentimes we have strengths that we see the shadow side, but we're blind to the, the good side of them. The gift that God has given. All right. Um, stand if you have a bad rash on your neck or a strange birthmark. I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. Someone laughed way before I said it was a joke. You're kidding. And then Brandon, you almost stood up. I saw you. You were like, <laughs> um, that was a joke. All right. Uh, stand if your whole closet is organized. Oh, man. I, I need you people in my life. If you saw my closet... All right, how many of you guys organize? No, keep standing. I want to really ridicule these. No, I'm just kidding. Um, if, you, if you're standing, uh, how many of you guys organize by color? Oh, wow. You know, I'm colorblind, so I have a deep respect and appreciation. Okay, how about uh, by season? Have you get, wow. We've got some, like, verging OC. This is, this is amazing. How about uh, if you organize by... Um, by types of clothing, clothing. Oh wow! If you organize everything in that closet, put that hand up. Wow! We need more of these people. I need more of you in my life. Give them a hand. Thank you guys. All right, we'll just do. Uh, we'll just do a few more. How about if you? Um, <laughs> would you stand if you know whether when, when you are driving? you know whether you are winning or you are losing the race and you like to compete when you're driving. Yes! I like you guys. Here's the thing. People don't understand you. They don't understand. You're not angry. You just want to win. And the world needs more of people like you because you get people from A to B. Dang it. Friends and family members, do they ever seem upset when they're driving? Don't answer that. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Give them a hand. Thank you, guys. The competitors. The competitors. Uh, How about people who like to dream about the future? Stand. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. How about, uh, well, I love people who love to think about what could be and should be. And we need more of that. That's tremendous. Now, um, go ahead and sit. And how about people who like to do things and get irritated if there's too much dreaming? Go ahead and stand up. If you like, you're like, I'm a doer. Dang it. I like to get... How many... And I'll add to this. I'll add to this. How many of you guys write lists and you like to check them off? (laughs) Oh, there we go. Wow. This is amazing. I'm going to have all of you go. We're going to sign you up for some things after... um, (laughs) Keep standing just for a second. How many of you guys, if you've got a weekend to-do list, you've got your things, your checklist, and you don't get one of them checked, how does that feel? How do you feel? You feel at peace? No, that, that causes like a lack of peace. 
There's a few people smiling, but also like, (laughs) (laughs) thank you. Give them a hand, everybody. All right. We'll keep, we'll keep moving forward, but you guys get the point. We have very gifted people in this world, and depending on how you see it, you can see it like, oh, it's not special. This, we can be blind to our own gifts and the gifts of other people, and God wants to use that for our calling. So what is calling? Genesis 1, 28 through 29 says this. Then God blessed them. This is um, Adam and Eve, the original humans. He blessed them. Be fruitful multiply and then fill the earth and govern it reign over the fish of the sea the birds of the sky and all the animals that scurry along the ground now if you want to underline something i'm gonna there's a lot to focus on in this passage but i'm gonna focus on one piece that's that's really important for calling fill the earth and govern it and then it says reign over there's this aspect of being human that we actually were designed from the very beginning our purpose was for governance, for ruling, for this says reigning. One Christian author says the Christian life is training and reigning, and it's kind of funny when you think about that. You know, I've I've heard that before. And in our world, when we think of like government, ruling, leading, what do we think of? Do we think all oh, really positive things immediately? In our world, in our, and in the situations where we live, uh, the world has flipped and turned upside down God's plan for leadership, God's plan for leading and loving and serving. And Jesus actually was sent into our broken world that it actually turned uh, leadership into something where we use power for personal gain. We use power for, for manipulation. We, we, we crave control. We crave power. And we manipulate it. And we, we've twisted it. And he sent Jesus onto the planet. And one of the things was to show us what real leadership was. To show us, this is, uh, some theologians call this the stewardship mandate. A steward, stewardship is management of something that isn't mine, but has been given to me to manage well. So this is the original stewardship mandate. And, and we, are, we are actually, um, if we're Jesus followers, we're supposed to follow in his way of leading the world, which is different than the world's way of leading. And Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve. And so that, when Jesus is saying that, he's tying that back his purpose, is one of his primary purposes is to show us what leadership was supposed to look like, what humanity was supposed to do and look like. And we've kind of gummed it all up, haven't we? But this, at leadership at its best, is this. It goes on to say, then God said, look, I have given you, remember, stewardship, I have given you the responsibility. You've, I'm giving you every seed-bearing plant through the earth and all the fruit of the trees for food, and I've given you every green plant as food for all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, and the, I think that was my father-in-law, and the small animals that scurry along the ground, everything that has life. And then I love this sentence, and that is what happened. Isn't that great? So, uh, if you throw up the, the notes here, it's really important that we see our vocation, not our vacation, but vocation, our calling, the work God wants us to do. We were designed to walk with God and work with God. And here's what, calling, what we were called to originally. And I think it helps us understand. Uh, we were called to this. We were called to love and serve the creator and creation. We were called to love and serve the creator and creation. And there's a few distortions that happen in our world. Some, some people 
um, have distorted it and said, God, the creator is there to love and serve me and my purposes. Have you ever done that? God, I need you to do this. You're the vending machine in the sky I need. I'm just, I, I, I've done that in my life. So I'm, when I'm saying this, I'm not saying this as a judgmental on all of you people. This is a struggle for every human being. We want to take the creator and have him serve, just serve us and our purposes. Um, some people have taken the, this and they've distorted it and said creation is here to serve me. And so the environment and people are turned into things and things are treated like people. And so we reverse the value and we start manipulating and using power and control in a really bad way. And we can all think of bad ways that we've seen this happen in the world, can't we? So that's a distortion. The other distortion that can happen is that I, do, I am here to love and serve creation. But there's no connection to God, the creator. Or, Christians, hear this. There are sometimes people that are so focused on the creator. And this, I'm loving him, but I don't have to love creation or serve it that's the opposite of our like if we love God we have to learn to love people our original calling general calling for every human being goes back to this to love and serve God the creator and love and serve creation you tracking all right I just want to spend another moment on this and then we'll we'll move forward um here's another really important thing when I some people are like my friend Martha Here's the beautiful thing about faith. She didn't want anything to do with God. But God's call was so, and his imprint was so, so um, powerful on her heart and life that she was serving communities and villages and, and vulnerable peoples when she was a, young, a teenager. When her family went through horrible things, she was finding ways to help others, even when her, and she was taking care of her kids, and, or her mom's kids, and her uh, stepbrothers and sisters, and real brothers and sisters, and her village, she's, this was her heart. So she was already serving and loving creation. And for her, eventually she realized that there was a creator that put that imprint on her. There's one theologian that says we're supposed to be like tilted mirrors. That the creator is the source of life, shines his light and his glory, and we reflect it to the world because we're tilted mirrors. And when we reflect God's love and his glory to the world, we also uh, reflect back the love and glory and splendor of creation to the creator. So we're these mirrors. And my friend Martha, it was a process of learning, like she knew what she was called to be before she knew who called her. <coughs> And that was the process of faith for her. For me, I was raised in the church. I've known the call to worship God and love God. But my journey has been more, I knew that. And, and then from there, learning what my calling is. Which one's okay? Starting with the creation call and moving to creator? Or, or starting with the creator call and moving to creation? Which is both, right? Like both are good. And I don't know what journey you're on. But my hope is that you put them both together. Amen? All right. Every person is created with a calling. And just be clear, calling is what you were created to be and do. Calling is what you were created to be and do. Every person is created with a calling. Jeremiah 1.5 says this, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. 
Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you, he's talking to Jeremiah, as a prophet. For others, he's appointed a priest, other a farmer. So we, have, we see that there's a general calling to love and serve God in creation, but there's a specific calling on every single person in this room's life. Every one of us were given gifts and skills that are different than others, and God wants you to use them for the flourishing and shalom and peace of the world. Seek the peace and prosperity into the world that God has sent you. Amen? You don't have to be a Christian to be excited. If more Christians were living for that, and more people who aren't Christians were living for that, I think we'd have a, wonder, a, a, a more beautiful world. And this is, this is God's plan for us. Before we were born, he set us apart. That means calling precedes salvation and sending. Before we're sent, God has put a call in our life. Before you were born, like, like when, we were, when we were just a, a thought, God had plans for us. Um, Psalms 139, 14 says this, for you created my inmost being, my personality, my, my will, my intelligence, my imagination, like the, the inmost parts of me, my soul, you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Like there's, we live in a world that has two uh, equal but opposite beliefs. And it has a huge impact on the emotional life of people. We live in a world that, says, uh, that, that often says you are a, like a temporary, random particle of dust with no purpose. And Jesus taught that you are an eternal person with an eternal purpose. That God has shaped you, every one of us, before you had an awareness of him, he was aware of you and shaped you. You were born to become something. Do you know what that is? You're not. Jesus would stand in white hot hatred of a dogma that says you are purposeless, random, and meaningless. You die, or you, 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 you live and then you die and that's it. Jesus says you are eternal. Live into your eternality. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. C.S. Lewis said, if, you, if we understood the weight of God's glory, if we understood that, that there are heavenly creatures all around us designed in the image of God, we would begin to live up to it rather than down to the demonic um, behaviors that the world pulls out of people because we have a low view of humanity. Raise your view of humanity and begin raising people's view of them, their own humanity. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus. God created us, and then he recreates us in Jesus. To do good things planned long ago. God planned work for you, his goodness to reside in you. The same God who formed you then is the same God who transforms you. The same God who created you is the same God who recreates you. And that you're, when you've come to know God, the creator, you all of a sudden look back and realize, oh, all of my life, it's not been a waste. God's call and his movement was already there. God was working in my call, in my life, in my formation, even before I was aware of it, even before I knew him. 
and what we have meant for evil and others have meant for evil, God can turn to good. Amen. If you're coming to Christ and you're exploring faith and you're 60, 70 years old, some people can feel like I wasted my life. God never wastes a life. This means that calling comes before sending. And if it's true that God calls us before he sends us, before we were even born, he called us. Then that means calling prevents compassion fatigue. Like we have a world that we're called to have compassion on, but if we, if we run to something we get excited about, like orphan care or the widows or a job that you're in, you're really excited about, but you're not called to it, what's gonna happen over time? Burnout, fatigue. But if you are called to something, like this is the, in the very fiber of your being, you're gonna go through mountains, you're gonna have energy, you're gonna be able to persevere and where other people are like, that's not, I don't have a passion for that. That's okay, God called them to something else. You have been called, you have been chosen. Amen? And so you won't, you won't have to grow weary. And your calling creates compassion. Your calling creates energy. I'd like you to watch this video as we close today's service from someone who's not a Christian. His name's Ken Robinson, but he understands calling and all God's truth, all, all truth is God's truth. So take a look at this video. Now, it doesn't follow that you know what this is in your case. I know a lot of people have stumbled across the things they love to do um, and have taken the opportunity. Now, it doesn't follow that you know what this is in your case. I know a lot of people have stumbled across the things they love to do um, and have taken the opportunity when, when it's arisen. Other times they've been helped by other people who've seen their talent before they saw it. In almost every case, there are mentors, somebody out there who's supported and helped you. One of the people in the book, this is a final uh, example, is a guy called Bart Connor. Have you heard of Bart Connor? Bart Connor uh, lives in Norman, Oklahoma. I do a lot of work in Oklahoma these days. And um, on this creativity initiative that's happening across the state. When Bart was six, he discovered that he could walk on his hands as easily as he could walk on his feet. Now, we don't know how he discovered this, uh, but he did, and he said it wasn't much use. You know, but he was in demand socially. You know, and he said, you know, whenever there's a party at the house and the conversation stalled, you know, his dad would say, Bart, just do the hands thing there, boy. <laughs> and the conversation would pick up again. And then he found he could walk up and down stairs on his hands as easily as on his feet. And he's done it for me. Um, it's a longer story. I can't go into it. But anyway, he... <laughs> but uh, nobody thought much about this. It was just Bart's party trick. But his mother did. And when he was eight, he said, his mother spoke to the school he was at and with the school's permission, took him downtown in Morton Grove, Illinois, to the local gymnastics center. And he said, I'll never forget the feeling when I walked into this gymnasium. I said, why? He said, it was like a mixture of Santa's Grotto and Disneyland. I said, really? He said, yes, it was intoxicating. Intoxicating. I said, why? What way? He said, well, there were wall bars, there were ropes, there were trampolines, mats. So it was intoxicating. Well. Is that how you feel when you walk into a gymnasium? Is it? Looking around, not everybody I feel <laughs> has this feeling. 
are finding it intoxicating. I don't. I don't find it intoxicating to go to gymnasium. On the contrary, I need to get intoxicated. <laughs> if, I, if, if I get within 50 yards of a gymnasium. Anyway, he went in and he started going every day because it was something he could do and he loved it. Ten years later, he walked onto the mat at the Montreal Olympics representing the United States in the male gymnastics squad. He went on to be the most decorated male gymnast in American history. He lives now in Norman, Oklahoma. He's married to Nadia Komenech. Do you remember her? She was the first perfect 10 in women's gymnastics. They have a wonderful little boy called Dylan, after Bob Dylan. Why not Bob? <laughs> we don't know. It's, <laughs> it's what comes of spending your life upside down, probably. But anyway. <laughs> he and Nadia have their own gymnastics centre. They're leading members of the World Special Olympics movement. So between them, they've helped to liberate the gymnastic capabilities of thousands and thousands of athletes with special needs. Now, just two quick points about this. The first is that Bart's mother could have said to Bart, stop it with the hands thing. <laughs> could you? When he was six, you know, like, we get it. We get it, you can do it, now get over it. And get on with your homework. Do what you're meant to do. But she didn't, she encouraged him. And because of that, he let, went on to have this extraordinary life. But the other point is that even though she encouraged him, she couldn't have known the journey he was about to take. She couldn't have anticipated it, could she? Because life is not like that, it's not linear. When you follow your interests, when you connect with your own true energy, your life takes a different path. New people come into it, uh, new opportunity created. You affect their lives and they affect your lives. It's a, a process of reciprocity. Uh, it's something Joseph Campbell said. I mean, his expression is about following your bliss. But he means the same thing, essentially, which is if you do that, opportunities open up that weren't there before and that other people wouldn't have had because this is your life that's opening up. You know, I'm sure that Bart's mother didn't think, you know, here's Bart, he's six. He can do this hands thing. There's this girl in Romania, <laughs> I believe, you know, and I have a Bob Dylan album. It's a natural, it's a natural. <laughs> and the reason is that we create our own lives. We create it for ourselves. It's the gift of human life, that you're not committed to a single course. You can change course, you can create and you can recreate your life and you're more likely to do that if you tap into the thing that you find motivating and fulfilling than not. All truth is God's truth, amen. What were you put on this earth for? You know, at Whitewater, we know that God loves us. He loved us before we did anything. But he has called you to live a life for him. He gave you this life, not for you, but to give to others. That's the beauty of God's love. It's, it's a gift to be a gift. You've been blessed to be a blessing so this, this week, um, I want you to be just, just dwelling on this, just thinking and praying, maybe meditating on these questions. What is your calling? What, what do you get passionate about? What gives you energy? 
What like could you do and it just like time slows down and stops and you, just, you love it, you find meaning in it and, and, and you're, you're created for it. You've got, what are your strengths? What are you good at? What, what when you do it like for some people might drain their soul and their spirit, but for you, it, you can be, it, it can be hard, super hard, super difficult, but it gives life to your spirit. Friends, over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at the calling of individuals as a church. Imagine what God wants to do with a church unleashed into their callings. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we love you. We're grateful for you. I pray that you would reveal and you would send and you would use the callings of this church. Amen.